When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development proudly supports the Hopi tribe and nonprofit Hopi entities to provide essential technical support in engineering, architectural, and project management services. Eddie Kalnimtua can relate to the hard work on the Hopi reservation, including the cornfield duties and traditional ceremonies that he was raised on. He values this tradition, so Terraform Development was formed to meet these needs on the Hopi reservation. Contact Terraform Development at T E R R A number four O R M. Dot com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. And sponsored by, hey you all, this is Carl from Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. If you are listening to us from the Anchor website or the Anchor app, let me tell you about it. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, there's even an option where you can add Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you create. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the Fight Star, Five Diamond Chef, J-Man, and with me is uh, Carl. Oh, good afternoon, everybody here on the beautiful Hopi Reservation. My name is Carl, and we just had lunch from uh, from the famous Ellen K's here. We just had lunch from the famous Ellen K's, the Murdy, uh, suffering, suffering. From the uh, the itis, uh, which is, uh, I, I guess, the scientific term for what it is that makes you sleepy. Oh, yeah. After a full meal as to why Carl gets no special nickname today. <laughs> but we've been pretty, pretty busy. We've been pretty busy, you know, not only with the podcast, but a couple of other things that have been going on. But, you know, the, the podcast is performing exceptionally well. Oh, yeah, With our is. first two episodes, with our Hopi Lavai episode, and then last week's episode, our electricity versus uh, the Hopi way of life episode. And, you know, I, I think that some of the listeners probably say that, oh, J-Man, he always says that the podcast is doing well. And it's like, well, you know, it is. It is. And that, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's why I say it. And, you know, thank you. Thank you to everybody out there, Kwa Kwa, to all of our listeners, to all of you that support us, whether you're listening to us on uh, any one of the podcast platforms or if you're listening to us on YouTube, it's you listening to us that gives me the ability to say that the podcast is doing well 
Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you guys give us that satisfaction that you guys are actually wanting to listen to all my uh, weird, weird jokes and stuff like that. And uh, like my one liners and <laughs> your zingers, <laughs> my zingers. Hey, oh, you know, <laughs> well, you know, being busy outside of just this podcast that we were featured on another podcast, um, uh, another podcast that we appeared on, I think, about a, a week or two ago. Uh, your, your auntie's favorite podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout, shout out to those boys. But uh, I, I did learn that after we appeared on their podcast that they kind of uh, decided they wanted to bury us uh, after the <laughs> fact. So uh, but boys will be boys. You know, we, we, we are the we are the bigger podcast. So we will be the bigger men in that. 35,000 plus downloads, guys. <laughs> Let's see your numbers. <laughs> we'll and compare. We'll, we'll compare. And then on aside from that, too, that uh, your boy, J-Man, is, uh, got recruited to be on another podcast. All right. And so you'll hear J-Man, you'll hear me. Uh, on another podcast called uh, Breaking the Game Podcast. So a big shout out to Breaking the Game Podcast that I am about to join that team to speak primarily about the Phoenix Suns. And then uh, Carl also is starting, has started a new podcast. Oh, yeah. About cameras. About cameras. So if you guys are interested in cameras and cameras alone, go uh, go look me up. It's called Carl's Cameras <laughs> Uh, cascade of uh, cartoons and uh, everything else. Carl just made that up after I told him <laughs> that I found other friends to play with. <laughs> and so hopefully Carl's cameras does uh, launch off uh, uh, at some point to be able to do that for him. But today we're going to continue with our, I guess, our Hopi series. Yeah, the Hopi uh, series. The Hopi yeah. series because we did start this season off with two very Hopi-centric episodes with the Hopi Levi and the discussion about electricity versus the Hopi way of life. But today we're going to talk about another idea that is, uh, I, I guess, is something that's been pretty prevalent in terms of how we think about ourselves as Hopi people on the Hopi reservation. And so that topic is uh, traditional versus progressive. Traditional versus progressive. I mean, that's a term that has been thrown around since the dawn of time when uh, <laughs> Ahana, you know, came to the Hopi reservation and where we were like, you know, let's dance for these guys here. Maybe they'll give us money or something. I thought that you were going to say that that's been around since time, time immemorial <laughs> when this idea of progression wasn't even really uh, <laughs> something that was a, a reality. But I, I guess, you know, the, the idea behind traditional versus progressive is that it's something that as Hopi people, especially like people like you and I, those of us that grew up in the 80s, the 90s, and even definitely generations further back, that we've we've heard this idea of traditional versus progressive and basically kind of what that means is that you know in the last episode we talked a lot about what this idea was as of the traditional Hopi way of life yeah that yeah. that there was a specific way that we were supposed to be living our lives in order to be considered Hopi yeah i mean like you know i cuz i live with so and kwa and they're very in that traditional mode where you know they their first language was Hopi. Their first, you know, their first, uh, their first idea of of life was Hopi. And so, when you think about it, that is called the traditional part of, or the traditional way 
And when you when you're born in in your home, when you're born at your home, you become in tide of of where you're from. You know, because So and Kwa were born in their in their homes, basically. Their you know their uh, their their whole life was was based around the Hopi traditions. And when you know both of us, we we grew up in the um, kind of in the cities, like you know uh, Tuba City was was there. I was born at Tuba City, and this guy was probably born somewhere around, around there as well too. I don't know. I was born in the Tumtsuki. No, <laughs> just, just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, really, this whole discussion I think kind of arises around change, really, in a way, because then you know, like. The older generation um, that they've had this idea of what it means to be a Hopi, yeah, because then that idea was introduced to them by their older generation, yeah, who are yeah. individuals that have been long gone. And you know, to, I mean, to me, I guess in, in terms of how I heard it as a child, that there were legitimate teachings as to why we were supposed to continue this Hopi way of life. You know, that there were, um, I guess, mechanisms. And I guess even this idea that the Hopi way of life is going to be what makes us have that ability to live all the way till the end of time. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, like I said before, I grew up with So and and Kwa, and they they taught me a lot about like the traditional way of Hopi life. You know, I was taught all of these different things of how they grew up and what they saw that was actually still real. A real type of Hopi back in their time, you know, there were hardly any cars back in the 1930s on the Hopi reservation. You know, they Kwa still rode his his horse and his mule basically, and his steed, his steed to Sol's house had when, his uh, black mask on <laughs> that just covered his eyes. Like you know, Zorro. when when Kwa wanted to go to Timaito to Sol, you know, he would grab his best horse and he would trot all the way to Hotvela and you know spend time. Through the through the window, you know, <laughs> on a moonlit night. <laughs> well, I, I guess you know a, a way to better get our point across. What are some ideas that you've heard of that make a Hopi a traditional Hopi? Just like that. I mean, like you know how how we how we're supposed to see ourselves as a simple man or woman in the Hopi tradition. And and I guess you could say that you know a man is supposed to just carry his own um, his own soya or his own seeds and plant and make sure that he grows enough corn to feed his family and for the future as well too. So because this idea of uh, being traditional in a way is an idea of being Hopi. Yeah, being traditional equals being Hopi. Yeah, or at least that's the idea of of in in terms of this discussion, traditional versus progressive, because then you know, like like uh, a lot of the ideologies that I was taught about what it meant to be a Hopi was one that you're supposed to be a humble person. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and you know and that you're supposed to um, not really be boastful, and you know, kind of just understand what your place is within society. Um, another part of being a traditional Hopi is being a farmer, like you mentioned. Yeah. Just uh, having your planting stick and your seeds. And then I think that another big concept, especially in terms of the discussion of traditional versus progressive, we talked a lot about it in our last episode, is the the not to have a dependency on technology. Yeah. Because then this idea of being Hopi meant that uh, you lived your life off the land. 
that you made yourself strong by running early in the morning, that you made yourself strong by running to your field, that you made yourself strong by the actual field work that you do in your field, not having to use things like tractors or not having to use things like tillers or other types of tools that allow us to get a, a bulk of our field work done. We're like uh, we're like the Amish people. Exactly. Yeah, we're like the Amish people, but except that uh, we have multiple wives and, you know, Amish people only have one wife. You know? <laughs> I think you got that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, yeah, I actually, that was a point that I wanted to make in our last episode, but I completely forgot. But like that, the Hopi ideology, especially in terms of what a, a quote unquote traditional Hopi is, is that of the Amish. Yeah. Is, is that we don't want to depend on technology. And I think that really what the underlying belief behind that is, is because we believe that at some point, technology or even electricity or things like running water might not exist in the future yeah yeah and so it's preparing yourself to live a life off the land by continuing to live that life off the land i guess that is true i mean like you know because we we still have our springs up in hot villa and and when you when you look at it i mean it's 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 always been there the, the spring has always been there in, uh, in time and memorial. <laughs> and I, I guess you could say that, you know, I don't know if the water will run out at one point or the other, but we still depend on that water that's down there. I mean, it is the freshest spring water that anybody could ever taste down there. And I heard it has arsenic in it. It has a lot of arsenic in there. That's why it has the best tasting uh, water down <laughs> that, there. That's what gives it, it gives flavor. You that, give that flavor. It gives you that, uh, that boast. <laughs> and and so you know and you you I, I guess even a Hopi in this day and age that or at least when we were young that you heard a lot of these ideas be talked about by the older people of this wanting to stick to the old ways yeah yeah of wanting to continue to live our life here on the reservation on on this Hopi trail on this uh, Hopi way of life and so when you hear those ideas of what a quote unquote traditional Hopi is what are some ideas that make a person a quote unquote progressive Hopi to to make a progressive Hopi like you know mm -hmm. I guess you could say the technology part of it mm -hmm. I guess that plays a huge role in the progressiveness of how Hopi sees itself mm -hmm. I for me it's you know uh, especially in conversations with the older generation with our um, with our elders with yeah. our, our Wu Wuyongkam for them, when they talk about this idea of what a quote unquote progressive Hopi is, it always has to do with money. Oh, it yeah. It always has to do with money. <laughs> a Hopi that wants money, I yeah. guess, basically is what this idea of a progressive Hopi is. Because then the traditional perspective of uh, being a Hopi is being dependent. And we've talked about this a lot, about being dependent on your cornfield. Oh, yeah. That your cornfield is going to provide you with that sustenance. That your cornfield is going to provide you with, um, I guess, our form of currency, as we mentioned before, that Corn and cornmeal are used as payments in some way, shape, or form in parts of our society, in parts of how we uh, carry ourselves culturally. But the fact that when Hopi starts to want money instead of corn, then I guess that's kind of this idea that transitions them into a quote-unquote progressive Hopi. 
Yeah, I guess you could say. I guess you could say that that is really truthful in a way because yeah, I mean, who doesn't like money? I mean, even I guess even back then in the 1800s, where Hopi was you know, still in that uh, you know that transitioning stage to become kind of assimilated to the Bahana life, they would accept different forms of payment. Other than like、uh, corn or or anything else in, in a Hopi way, they would accept like you know medicines or like you they would accept、um, uh, like clothing of like、uh, you know white man's clothing in a way, and that would be kind kind of progressive in their manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a real big mm-hmm, mm-hmm moment because I kind of spaced out there, so I apologize <laughs> if、uh, Carl was way off base and not had this position to correct him. I was actually right. So. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I guess really that idea in terms of like corn versus money, yeah, is kind of like one of the big factors in terms of discussing this topic of traditional versus progressive, because then、uh, culturally and religiously, we've talked about it that in terms of our ceremonies, that all of our ceremonies involve corn, yeah, and the old perspective, at least ideally, what Hopis will say. Is that money has no place in our ceremonies, but in the contemporary times, that that's not true anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we we all depend on money to get through the traditional part of our lives, like that. Especially during ceremony time, where you know the women would have to buy their own sikui and and buy the. By the different, you know, things ingredients to make the meals because people like Carl don't have the sickly for them at home. <laughs> I like macaroni, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you know that's kind of where a lot of our jokes have come from in previous episodes in terms of like our jokes of.、Uh, Making a big enough deposit to the rain gods、oh, yeah. to, to make it rain that we're not、uh, putting enough money into our ceremonies. That's why it doesn't <laughs> rain, and you know that's kind of like a real, I guess, a real tuka tuka joke because then that's completely opposite of how it should be. Yeah, that in terms of the traditional perspective, <laughs> that we shouldn't be putting money into our ceremonies the way that we are now, but rather the value of、uh, our our. Payment to the rain gods really should be from that corn that comes from our fields. Really, I never knew that because I took out a big loan from Hopi Credit Association <laughs> to pay my pay my dues to the rain gods. <laughs> and you put, and you did put it on I, your application. I, I put it on my application. Lo- lo- to- loan to pay to the rain gods. <laughs> <laughs> See how much rain this can get me. <laughs> But I guess really, you know, those are kind of some ideas in terms of the differences. I guess that you know, like what we've been taught as children, and I'm sure that a lot of other people out there、uh, living, those that have lived and grown up on the reservation, have heard in terms of like this idea between traditional versus progressive. And then I think that you know, at least in terms of progressive, another idea of what a quote unquote progressive Hopi is is something that we've talked about prior before in terms of leadership. That I've heard that you know, kind of like our councilmen today are considered progressive Hopis, or any Hopi that's involved with anything that has to do with the tribal council is considered a progressive Hopi. Oh yeah, like anything that has to deal outside of the village or not Hopi in a way is considered progressiveness.、Mm-hmm. 
in that manner. And I think specifically to any type of involvement with our tribal council or with our tribal government is this idea of assertion of power. Because then I think that in our leadership episode that we did say that the traditional, our traditional form of leadership, or at least our idea of what our heritage form of leadership is, is that the Bear Clan are the ones that hold power in all Hopi villages. Oh, yeah. And that there's actually a system that if you don't have Bear Clan individuals in your village, then it goes to a different clan. And if there's no members of that clan, then it goes on to another clan and so forth. And then not to mention all the other types of leadership roles that we spoke about traditionally in that leadership episode, talking about these different Mongwe positions, these different Mong positions, different chief positions within the um, within the villages. And so really, you know, kind of a lot of these concepts of what progressive in the eyes of our people are uh, ideas that I guess contradict what we think a traditional Hopi is. I know it's like it's weird in a way when you talk to different people because they kind of have this weird ideology of how Hopi should conduct themselves. And mm-hmm. it, it's weird because they they were all taught in a different way because of their maybe their souls or their guas that that taught them this type of uh, ordeal or this type of ideology like that. And and, and it, when you when you listen to them and then when you hear them in a way and then you're like, but that's not how soul taught me. You know, that's not how soul said this to me. And I'm going to say this because this is what soul and Kwa said this to me. And then it start, sparks this huge debate on how who is right and who is wrong uh, of how to be a traditional Hopi. Right, Carl's always wrong in my eyes. And so uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I guess, you know, like thinking back on your childhood, thinking about back on those adolescent years, what are some of these conversations that you've heard, whether that be from So'o and Kwa'a or other individuals around this idea of traditional versus progressive? Like, you know, like one of the biggest things that kind of popped out is like uh, a Hopi male should always have his hair long or have his ears pierced. Mm-hmm. And in, in the afterlife, they, they tell you that in the afterlife, that's how you're identified as a Hopi individual, as a Hopi man. It's not just to where like, you know, oh, you plant all the time, you speak Hopi all the time, you do all of these Hopi things. You but share all your cultural photos on social media all the time. <laughs> you know, you wear the loincloth all the time and, but you can all, you can always do that, but without looking like a Hopi, you cannot be recognized as a Hopi. I know it kind of seems weird, but it's, it's actually, that's how <laughs> we have weird beliefs. Out we here. have weird beliefs out here. <laughs> you know, but you, you are, you are correct. I'll, I'll admit that, that you are <laughs> correct that, you know, our, our hairstyle is a part, at least traditionally is a part of our identity. Yeah. That the Hopi men have that step haircut. I don't know what they call that in Hopi. But then our young girls have their poli ini, mm-hmm. which is a part of their identity. And then for uh, momoyam, those that are married, they have a hairstyle. Oh yeah, that's particular in um in in to show who they are as a person to represent their identity. And the idea behind that is that I've always been told that because there are so many people in this world that when you're out and about, that it's through your hair. And through your language that you tell people of who you are. Yeah. And so, you know, it's this idea that if you're out out in the world and you're speaking Hopi to somebody, 
And then when somebody hears you speaking Hopi, it's this idea, or if they have their hair a certain way, they're Hopi because they have their hair this way. And I have a, a high top fade and, you know, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that I'm fully assimilated. So I have no uh, qualms about that. Yeah, he's going to be talking uh, talking about sports. That's why. That's <laughs> <laughs> transitioning, transitioning from talking to, about traditional Hopis to uh, fuck the Lakers. Yeah, I was like, you know what LeBron did right now? You, mean LeBron? <laughs> you know what crybaby LeBron did right now? <laughs> Hi, I'm Kiona, Hopi Relief volunteer and board member. Hopi Relief is a grassroots Hopi-led nonprofit organization founded to provide relief services, food boxes, and essential supplies to Hopi tribal members throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Our focus is to uplift the Hopi community by empowering our people to create homegrown solutions to challenges we face. We are supported by the generosity of like-minded individuals and organizations who simply want to help. You can get involved by following us on social media, sharing our story, or donating on our website, www.hopirelief.org. We are at Hopi Relief on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's, it's, I guess the idea of being Hopi in a traditional way is to do that, is to have the rules and the, I guess the rules and the regulations of how Hopi is supposed to be conducted in a way. And when you follow those to an extent or to the intent of how they are, then you are truly a real Hopi. Even though we do that in a way, there's still that progressiveness that still comes out, I guess you could, you could say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and when you when you look at it in in that context of how when you when you look at it in the context of how like so and Kwa teaches you, you you say to yourself, am I a real Hopi? Am I a real Hopi because I talk Hopi? I I dress Hopi on certain ceremony days and I, I do the Hopi things, but yet I still do like all of this Bahana stuff on the side. So we we really kind of kind of cut ourselves in that in that idea way of like you know okay so this is what we we should be doing in the traditional way but yet we kind of incorporate all of these progressivenesses in in our Hopi traditions and this is you know in the way that you're talking about it it's a big discussion because then you know on the face of it that it really is something that on its face makes us look like hypocrites. Oh that yeah. Is, it's like this huge hypocrisy because then, you know, like for, for all of my life, ever since I was a small child, I've always seen people drive cars. Yeah. I've yeah. always seen people wear Bahan Yusi, mm-hmm. white man's clothes. I've always heard even our elders speak English. Yeah. And, and so, but I, I think that, you know, that there are like primary, I guess uh, primary parts of how we carry ourselves as people, primary parts of how we guide our communities forward that kind of maintain what this idea of traditional Hopi is. And so some of the things that I remember kind of growing up as a kid and just, you know, listening to like my soul was, I think was probably one of the big, uh, just like you, I guess, you know, one of the, the bigger impressions on my life and just some of the things that she talked about, because there were certain ideas that she just absolutely refused to bend on. Yeah. And some of them were what we talked about in our last episode that we shouldn't have running water in our village. Yeah. That we shouldn't have electricity in our village. Because in her mind, that meant that we were abandoning 
our Hopi way of life yeah. by accepting those things in our village. And then there were a, a couple of other things too that I would hear from her and other elders as a younger person in the village. And one of those things was that the Hopi tribal council has no power, that the actual power lies within our mongwis, within our villages. Yeah. And so, you know, those are kind of some things that I heard in terms, like I guess some of the bigger things that I've heard in terms of uh, this idea of progressive versus traditional kind of growing up as a kid and then, you know, kind of thinking about um, who who are the traditionals and who are the progressives when I was a kid. Because then, you know, we've talked about this a lot that, you know, being little Hopi kids that, you know, even on the playgrounds, because <laughs> I, I think that I think that it's a reality that us as adults, we forget how impressionable our children are. Yeah. We forget that how much they actually listen to us and how much they learn from us when we think that they're not listening to us. Because I remember being a little kid running around at the day school down at Mun Puppy at the day school and then we'd have our own little gang wars. Yeah. All the yeah. all the, the lower kids, you know, we'd be talking shit to the uppers, telling them that, Oh, you guys are Bahanas. You, your your village wants to live like white people. Our village, we want to be traditional. We want to be like Hopis. And then, you know, talking to my sisters who are an older generation above us and laughing to learn that they did the same thing yeah. with people from the upper village. And then even a generation above that, that those people, our parents and grandparents had those similar Thoughts and, thoughts and kind of infighting yeah. with the people from the upper village because I think that that was kind of like a really big thing for us. And I know that it's a big thing for Hopis that we like to flex on certain things that we think that we're better on than other villages. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's weird because when you look at the Hopi website, like, you know, go go to uh, Hopi dot or was it Hopi tribe dot com. And then the first sentence, they'll say, uh, yes, yes, eh, you know, and, you know, welcome, sit down, you know, come and sit down at my place here. Thank you for visiting the Hopi tribe here where, you know, we're, we're friendly to you and we're friendly to everybody who comes and all of this happy go lucky kind of deal like that. But yet in reality, we hate each other. You know, we, <laughs> we want to be better than anybody else. We want to be better than the, the, you know, the, the second tribe over there. I mean, like, you know, second Mesa or third Mesa or first Mesa. We, we are sick of, of people being, you know, higher up than us. <laughs> and we, we try to lower them to our level where they can, where we can say that, oh yeah, see, I can, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> For some reason that is, is, is a big, um, I, I guess practice that we have out here or it's a big characteristic. It's a big behavior. Yeah. For some reason, because as soon as I come out here and tell people I'm from Wind Puppy, then everyone wants to tell me how less Hopi I am <laughs> than they are. I do that every day. So. E even though that I probably speak more Hopi than you know some of the people <laughs> that are telling me that. But, you know, and, and that is something, you know, that is something that's a big part of it. And I think that's something that probably feels it. But I guess, you know, because you and I had this conversation before we started recording that, and I've had these thoughts before, that this idea of traditional versus progressive at some point in time in the future is going to burn itself out because I believe that at some point that the progressive fire is going to burn bigger. 
Oh, yeah. And that it's going to burn hotter and that the traditional fire at some point will die out, unfortunately, as a result of what we've talked about before, the loss of language, the loss of our um, understandings of what our ceremonies mean, the loss of understanding and the importance of how to conduct our ceremonies in the way that we should be doing it. I don't think that our ceremonies will stop, unfortunately, because I look at other tribes. Uh-huh. I look at other tribes. I look at Apaches. Yeah. And I see their crown dancers in parades. Oh, yeah. I look at the Navajos and they have um, their Yebiches as a part of their um, their carnivals. Their carnivals, yeah. Of their fairs. Yeah. And at some point, and you already see it too, to a degree in some of the parades that you do see our dancers in parades. Yeah. But then at some point, I think it could be a reality that you start seeing katsinam in parades. In parades. Or katsinam in places that they don't belong. Because then I know that our people like to dance. Uh-huh. Our people like to sing. Our people like to dance and sing even in places that they shouldn't be dancing and singing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of belief that I have that that part of our tradition and our culture probably won't die. But because that this traditional fire at some point is going to burn out, where does this conversation then of traditional and progressive fit in contemporary times? Exactly. I mean, it is weird to think about the future like that. It's weird to think about like how it, it is a reality. It could be reality. Isn't it an alternate alternate reality? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could be on or on that on that trail to say that this is this is the way to go. This is the way we're going to be going if we continue our own way of life in in this manner here. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you when you think about it, when you think really think about it, and when you think about like the past of how Hopi was supposed to be conducted, how so how so taught you in that way, how Kwa spoke to you in in that manner of like you know gepsi or like all of this manner of like um believing in something that you cannot see and when you when you think about it nowadays we don't we don't think like that we don't think about how how like the gods like the rain gods are are always watching us you know where we we make that joke where we have to pay a lot to do that and it is a reality it is a reality where we have to do that now and you think about like you know all of this kepti or this this like i guess honoring this whole idea and and when you think about it none of us do that anymore Gift, gifty. We're supposed to be inclusive to, oh, yeah. to all people. So gifty, even for the efforts out there. <laughs> but I guess, you know, I, I guess, you know, in, in terms of thinking of where that place for this conversation of traditional and progressives in this day and age. And, you know, I asked this question, are we all progressive now? Because then, you know, I made that argument that at the beginning of the episode, that a part of being progressive is wanting money. Oh, yeah. And I love payday. Oh yeah, I look forward to that too. You know, so on qua, I look forward to that too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, I I guess I, in, in another idea that I've had around that too is the fact that I did mention that we are losing parts of our culture. Oh yeah, that we are unfortunately losing parts of our religion because that at some point in our podcast we did talk about these certain religious societies. Yeah, that are in existence within our uh, villages. 
And in some villages, those religious societies have completely died out. Uh huh. And at the rate that we're going, that they'll probably continue to die out in those villages that have them. And so losing our religious leaders, losing those individuals that have specific knowledge about certain things. Yeah. I think that losing those people kind of in a way is losing a big part of that traditional fire. You know, when, when you, when you said that I kind of immediately did the, like the, the weighing of, of scales and stuff Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that, you know, we have all of these traditional, um, like societies that are dying out. You know, there's only one village here that still kind of honors all of those, uh, those deep traditional Hopi societies, but with them, you know, not being able to carry it on and it, it is, it is going to be eventually all died out in the, you know, in the future here, but yet we gain something else like the education part of it on the progressive side. And we gain, I guess you could say, they gain that knowledge. I know it doesn't seem that it's comparing uh, apples to apples. It's like, you know, apples to oranges, basically. But in reality, that's what, we, what's what we're doing is that we're, we're losing part of our culture to gain something else. We're trading in our culture for <laughs> casinos and for other types of enterprises. But I guess, you know, asking this question, because then, you know, like, I, like we said before, that on the face of it, that it this really does seem like like a hypocritical topic. Yeah. And it's like, who's traditional anymore? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Who really lives this traditional way of life? Uh, is that even real? You know what I mean? Because then you hear people say things like that, that there's no real hope piece anymore. Yeah. And I've, I've heard uh, sayings like that before said by people. But in terms of this idea of what a quote unquote traditional Hopi is and that a lot of the teachings behind that, what are some what what's the value in that? Some of that specific knowledge, where, what is the value to people like you and I in 2021? To, to make it, I guess, to, to have that idea of how Hopi is supposed to conduct itself is that we still try to honor the past part of Hopi. And we still try to honor uh, doing all of these different uh, ideologies and stuff like that. But yet we, we cannot get away from the progressiveness of how we, we live nowadays. And, and I guess, I, I mean, is it sad to say, is it sad to say that we cannot conduct certain ceremonies without the progressiveness in, uh, in, in those ceremonies like that. I mean, uh, you know, you be the judge of that. <laughs> let me, let me, let me ask you like this. What are some valuable teachings that come from this idea of being a traditional Hopi? I guess you could say to always uh, be humble to somebody, to always welcome them into your home to always feed them, to always give them something to drink or to have coffee for them or juice or anything in that manner there. Bud Light. <laughs> you know, always have lobster tail when you're... <laughs> <laughs> when guests come When through. guests c- comes over, you know, and I guess those are those small little things in the Hopi tradition that we kind of overlook. We kind of take those for granted, but yet we, we still kind of kind of in the back of our minds, we kind of say that, oh yeah, you know, this is what So did before. This is what, you know, So invited her, you know, when, when somebody was coming over and they would, 
have a, a meal ready for them. Even though, you know, it was uh, late in the day, she would always cook for, you know, somebody like that. And, and those are some teachings of just being uh, hospitable towards yeah. each other, of, of creating a friendly relationship, of, of uh, living in peace with one another from that traditional Hopi fire. And like for me, I think really it's just this idea of uh, living this life to where you make your your body strong. Yeah. Because, you know, a big teaching of being Hopi is that you wake up as early as you can and you go run. You run either to the springs or you run to your field. All of that hard run. energy and working run, in your run field. Run to the bathroom. <laughs> I thought you were going to say run to Gray Mountain. <laughs> to Gray Mountain. <laughs> And, and so, you know, to me, I, I guess in, in, in that context, to me, that there's a lot of value in our traditional teachings, yeah, our traditional education, our quote unquote traditional Hopi way of life. To me, that there's a lot of value in how we could better be living our lives because then living this uh, quote unquote Hopi way of life that you're more in tune with the land that you're more in tune with understanding of how the universe works from a context of the plant life, plant world, yeah. animal world, the world of just our physical world in general. Because unfortunately, in terms of this progressive side that we live, is that we probably put half of our day on our phones. Oh, yeah. Half of our day on the computer screen, half of our day on tablets, as opposed to be living this life. That we should be living. But, you know, on, on, on the flip side of it, what are some values in being progressive? Um, casinos, lobster. <laughs> Christie's Cabaret. Christie's Cabaret. Uh, crab night at uh, Twin Arrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I guess you could say that when you, when you look at it, I guess you could say our ceremonies have been a little bit easier. <laughs> Because you have a car involved and, you, you know, you don't have to walk as far to the plaza anymore. You know, you can just drive up to the plaza. You can set up your tripod of your camera in the case <laughs> so you don't have to sit out there in the hot, in the sun, hot sun with the dancers and the singers. <laughs> you just hit record and go back inside <laughs> to drink some of your ice Kool-Aid and uh, <laughs> eat your Piccadilly, eat your Piccadilly and uh, come back and just hit stop. <laughs> I'll watch it later. I, you know, I guess you could say that the, the whole progressiveness is, is that we do get an education. We do try to fit in with the Bahana world now. We, we are part of that, that, that world where we can kind of conversate with them and be at their level and to say that, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we know what you're talking about. You know, you, you can't make us sign anything anymore. You know, you can't. You can't do this to us. You can't make us do anything anymore. You know, I went to U of A or ASU. I went to a refrigerator school, got my <laughs> certificate. I got a certificate saying I can fix your car. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's the good part of, of being progressive. I, I think that, you know, because we are pretty much like we've been saying before that we are waist deep in this white man's society. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the positives of being progressive is uh, like that, like setting up an economy. If that were, if we are going to be so dependent on the white man's dollar, then I think understanding how the white man's economy works and then setting up an economy so that it aligns to where it benefits our people. Because for the few of us that have jobs out here on the reservation, 
Where do we spend the bulk of our money at? We don't spend it all at K-Town store. Oh, no, we don't. We're going to Flagstaff. We're going to Winslow. We're going to Tuba City. We're taking all of the money that's here on Hopi and we're taking it someplace else. Yeah, because, you know, I don't want to see you at K-Town store. And And so, you know, I, I guess it's that, like you're saying, with the educational part with us to learning how to develop a functioning white man's economy for us here. Yeah. That if we are going to be so dependent on this white man's dollar, that we learn how to create our own Bahana dollars and then continue to circulate that through our own community. And so, you know, one of the examples that I wanted to talk about, you know, is that because I kind of always diss on them, but you know, the upper village that they've been able to set up an economy (laughs) that they have, enterprises as a village that they own. And so they have this ability to give their village members jobs. They have this ability to make money. Yeah. Because then when you think about uh, Upper Munkopi, that they have their uh, an entity that you once used to work for, the Munkopi Developers Corporation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And through that Developers Corporation, when you go to Tuba, the Legacy Hotel is underneath that. The Denny's Restaurant is underneath that. The Tuvi Travel Center is underneath that. And on top of that, they have their waste uh, water treatment entity underneath that. And then I think that they also have some sort of tourism enterprise as well. And so, you know, that's kind of an example where the progression works in your favor is that when you're able to set up these types of enterprises and when we're at this point where we all want jobs, we all want paychecks that at least for them, they can provide these jobs for their people, for those of them that want it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, with that education wise, uh, you know, the, it, you know, you, you hear a lot about, about the progressiveness or the, a lot about like how, how you're supposed to go out and, and go get a, an education and come back and, and try to get a job or try to help your people and stuff like that. And I remember uh, reading this in the Hopi Tidivini, Larry Watahamaji, you know, the cat. I heard that guy died. <laughs> Still around somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I, I read that, you know, he, he did, he did do that. He did go to in, in his high schooling years is that he's, he heard a man say that go out and get get an education go out and become something and then when you do that come back to the Hopi reservation and help your people help your people get a you know get a head start on this progressiveness get a head start on all of these different ideas of the white man's world and when you listen when you hear that and then you go out and then when you finally do that that you're required to do, you come back to the reservation with your newfound glory of, of uh, education and whatnot, and you come back and everybody's mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody hates you for doing that, you know, they, because they, they tell you that, why are you going out doing all of this white man stuff when you should have been here helping us, you know, at the farm, helping us with the ceremonies and stuff like that. And, and they get mad at you because they don't want your help. They don't want to do that. And I read that, you know, he was expecting like this big parade for him. And, you know, like, yeah, this this huge grand entry, like, you know, yeah, you know, Larry graduated and, you know, we're front know. news page on the Tivini. <laughs> you know, Larry was is, is uh, you parade know, down uh, K-Town Main Street. <laughs> 
you know, being served free piccadillies whenever he wants and stuff like that. And and all he got was nothing. You know, the elders said that. Why did you go off to get an education? This one, you know, this three, this one eighty that just happened. Well, I guess a complete juxtaposed position to Larry's uh, welcoming back home is sometimes that when you do go off, get an education and you come back home, then everybody wants you to do everything. Everybody yeah. wants you to do all the work. <laughs> they want you to serve on all these different village boards, all these different school boards. They want you, even though you got an American Indian Studies degree, they want you to fix the healthcare system. <laughs> they want you to fix the economics, the economic system out here on Hopi. They want you to have uh, do things that you have absolutely no training in doing. They want you to deliver the babies. <laughs> I just got a certificate for fixing a car. <laughs> you want me to deliver a baby? <laughs> All right, I'll try. <laughs> Shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> but I guess real quick before we go, because, you know, we, we did talk about some of the positives about, you know, what this idea of being traditional is. Yeah. Or some of the positives that that knowledge has. And then also to the positives of what progression can give us. But what are some of the negatives that you see in, in trying to be traditional? I guess you, you just don't understand like the Bahana world itself. In a way, being stuck in the past. And being stuck in the past. This inability to move forward. Exactly. And it's like, you know, you, you feel that the Bahanas owe, owe you something in that way. You know, you're, you're always trying to fight for something that you cannot win because the world is being progressed in this, in this huge manner. But yet you're still trying to hold on to certain things. And there are a lot of people out there that still have that traditional mentality but still make it to where, you know, they have a big screen TV, they have a nice car, they have, you know, a nice being house. Hypocritical. Being hypocritical in that, in that sense. So you can choose your own battles, I guess you could say. And then what do you think some of the negatives are in being progressive? Not being able to be traditional. <laughs> Doing that 180. But it is true. It is true that, you know, you're not being able to keep practicing your traditions or trying to uh, live up to that standard of how Hopi is. I, I think that at least in terms of being Hopi and being too too progressive, is that you lose sight of what being Hopi is. Oh, yeah. It's that you lose some respect for what things we should be having respect for in our Hopi way of life. Like, can you imagine that at some point in time when this Hopi casino is built, that they have a big statue of a Katsina, at the entryway before people come in oh, and then man. all the Hopis sprinkle that statue with home so that they can uh, <laughs> make it rain in the casinos <laughs> instead of making it rain in our cornfields. Oh man, that, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do that. And, and so, you know, I guess, you know, really that's where this place of uh, traditional versus progressive plays into uh our contemporary society, because as a, as, as, and I believe this to be true. I believe that being Hopi is more than just a CIB. Yeah. I believe that being Hopi is understanding what our history is, understanding where our people have been, at least to a degree, understanding our language, understanding the importance of our ceremonies, understanding the importance of why we do those things. And then also, you know, kind of some of these ethical things that we've talked about of what our ideas of being Hopi is, being humble, being kind to other people, 
treating other people with respect. And that's why that term kohopi is around because mm-hmm. people who are rowdy don't have those mm-hmm. ethics those teachings, and, yeah. those, uh, and the, how they carry themselves to be hopi. But then because the fact that I do recognize that as a community that we are so dependent on Siva now, the white man's dollar, that we do need to progress in some areas, that we need to develop our economy, that we need to strengthen our healthcare systems, that we need to strengthen our educational systems. And so in a community like Hopi, it's such a unique thing to have these different competing ideologies in terms of being a traditional Hopi versus being progressive. And where is the balance that it's going to allow us to still practice these things that make us Hopi? Practice our cultural culture, practice our religion, practice speaking Hopi to each other, but then yet to still live in a community where we have good education, where we have a good healthcare system, where we have jobs available for our people to apply to, to have homes for our people to be able to live in. And so this is a future that I hopefully will see. At some point in my day, but if not, you know, it, it was nice uh, being Hopi for the time <laughs> that we were able to do so. I mean, we could go on and on about this thing here. I mean, we this could actually be, you know, another two-parter mm-hmm. or three-parter mm-hmm. or, you a, know, a ten-parter. Or ten-parter. I mean, but it, it is a huge topic when you think about traditional versus progressive and it is a huge topic of tr- uh, trying to convince somebody other than yourself of how to do that. But, you know, time has run out and, you know, I want to go uh, eat again. Carl wants to go home and uh, watch his uh, progressive cartoons (laughs) on his progressive flat screen TV. Exactly. It's 72 inches. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, thank you all for uh, listening to us and making it this far into the episodes and listening to us rant. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, if you do want to become a monthly sponsor, go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 to donate, uh, to become a monthly sponsor, to become part of that 30 pack uh, uh, party there. Or if you want to just donate a dollar or a little bit more, go to buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast and just donate whatever you want. I mean, we we appreciate all your donations for making this happen. We appreciate everything uh, that you're you're doing for us, guests and uh, people that do want to see us progress uh, <laughs> uh, in in a way. So. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. If you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. We're trying to reach that 100,000 subscriber mark, and I think that we're pretty close. We're only 998,000 subscribers <laughs> away from that, probably even a lot more. But uh, don't forget forget to give us a five-star review if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Really help us to jump up the rankings. And uh, big shout-outs, big shout-outs again to our sponsors, to Justin Villarreal, Terrifying development anchor who's uh generously graciously so uh funding us this season and then big thank you to all of our 30 power circle of 30 pack givers and then a big thank you to all of those of you that have bought us coffee all right well thank you again for listening to carl and jayman save the world podcast my name is carl and this is my best friend jayman so long